This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home Sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Magi and Eaters? This is Stephen and Jake from Phantology, covering Before They Are Hanged by Joe Abercrombie, the second book of the First Law Trilogy. And Jake is our first-time reader. I am a rereader, hoping to be ready for Wisdom of Crowds by September. So Jake, I know, uh, and, and listeners, if you tuned into our uh, The Blade Itself review, just recap there. Uh, we are both liking it. Obviously, we're, we're pretty big Abercrombie fans. Jake's already an Abercrombie fan even though it's only his second book, or at least I hope he is. But uh, the skinny there was that we liked the book, but thought there wasn't quite enough plot. That was the main criticism, although the characters and prose were, were obviously fantastic. And we'll talk more about that. So with that long intro, Jake, how did Before They Are Hanged compare? Um, I think it's an improvement on every level. Um, I think the plot, there's a ton more that happens, and I really enjoyed that. Um, okay. The characters are just as good, if not better, in this one. And I don't, yeah, I, I, I think all the weak parts of that was the first book called again. The blade itself. The blade itself. The blade itself. All the weak parts of the blade itself have been overcome in this one for sure. So we will get much more into all of those things before we get started. If you like uh, Phantology, if you want to hear more, if you want to hear the blade itself review or any of our other Abercrombie reviews or things like Wheel of Time, Sanderson, et cetera, et cetera. We've covered a lot of stuff. So you can find that at www.phantologybooks.com. Follow us on Twitter at Phantology underscore books and talk with us on Discord. And recently we started a new thing where every podcast that, that we remember, every time we remember, we're going to shout out to another content creator. So the lucky, well, maybe unlucky, I don't know. But the content creator of this episode is going to be... Let's talk about Shauna Lawless, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. So you can find Shauna at Shauna L. Writes on Twitter and follow her blog. She goes through what she's reading every week along with some uh, not too detailed reviews, so they're pretty digestible and obviously no spoilers in the reviews, but um, she is quite a voracious reader and a fun follow. And she's into, she gets some, tea, so she gets some arcs and uh, that, you know, it's nice to see what's kind of on the horizon. So if you're looking for a professional book blogger, check out Shauna. Yeah. I think she's about to do an interview with Anthony Ryan for his uh, next book that's coming out. Mm-hmm. So 
we were huge blood song fans so that's really cool check her out and she's an author herself and is in the process of getting published so she's told us a lot about this on discord another plug if you want to chat with some people in the community hop on discord and there is a little community to uh, kind of get you started on uh, science fiction and fantasy okay so back to abercrombie so a little intro to this book obviously uh, you're familiar with the blade itself so we go we kept we pick up from that action and we go into before they're hanged and the synopsis which i think is worth reading here to just kind of catch you up with the general idea of what's going on there's no spoilers here yet but the back cover of the book says superior glockta has a problem how do you how do you defend a city surrounded by enemies and riddled with traitors when your allies can by no means be trusted and your predecessor vanished without a trace it's enough to make a torturer want to run if he could even walk without a stick northmen have spilled over the border of england and are spreading fire and death across the frozen country crown prince ladislaw <laughs> what a guy is supposed to drive them back and win undying glory there is only one problem he commands the worst armed worst trained worst led army in the world and Baez, the first of the Magi, is leading a party of bold adventurers on a perilous mission through the ruins of the past. The most hated woman in the South, the most feared man in the North, and the most selfish boy in the Union make a strange alliance, but a deadly one. They might even stand a chance of saving mankind from the eaters if they didn't hate each other quite so much. Ancient secrets will be uncovered. Bloody battles will be won and lost. Bitter enemies will be forgiven but not before they are hanged dot, dot, dot. Okay. So does the book live up to this? Like this is a, this is a good little primer, right? Yeah. I, yeah, definitely. I think it does. I love the the bit about crown prince Ladislaw. I love how it says that they're the worst led army in the world right after saying that he is leading them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, man, they, they did or Abercrombie did such a good job of making Ladislaw be so entertaining to read when he's on the screen because of how ridiculous he is, like balancing that entertainment for like just uh-huh. the humor. And then also that frustration you feel for being like putting yourself in West's position. Honestly, as I was reading through that, does Abercrombie write this? Like, is this something he wrote for this book? Because it sounds a lot like his writing style where he just kind of, he throws in like things like he commands the worst sled versus worst trained, worst sled army in the world. He uses a lot of the same words in, in repetition and yeah. it, it's just very digestible writing. I wonder if he wrote this. Yeah. I don't know. Like would they, I mean, he's a, he's a big enough author at, at this point, right? I feel like a publishing company would give him a lot of leeway, but. Oh, this was back in 07. So this is a few years ago this book yeah yeah i don't know i don't know they'd be like oh we don't trust you we'll we'll market it how we want to market it and he writes like on his blog on his blog he wrote a like a recap of previous books in the age of madness that i don't know how that's connected with the publishers at all if he just did that for his fans but i could see him doing it i, I don't think it's too much to ask an author to write like four paragraphs about your book right yeah i, I mean I'm sure if he submitted it and they're like, oh, this is good then. But it definitely has his feel to it of just the, his writing is, is so good. I'm a huge fan of the prose in this book. Definitely want to talk about that before we do. 
So I first read this book about a year ago. I looked at my Goodreads review. Every now and then I do write reviews on Goodreads, uh, not super in depth, but <laughs> I didn't, I don't think I fully understood this book the first time I read it. And if you check out the booktube uh, video that I'm going to, that we're going to put up, put up on our YouTube channel, plug for our YouTube channel, sub, sub us on YouTube. Anyway, if you check out that video, I kind of talk about that more in depth, but I don't think I totally understood the book the first time. And honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of the series until Last Argument of Kings. I just don't think I understood the whole thing with the trope subversion because in my review, I, I did give it four stars, which is you know like good for Goodreads. But in my review, I said, I like it, but there's like no central conflict. I don't understand what the point of any of it was. That stands a little bit still after a reread. It's like still at this point of after two books, you're like, like, what are we really fighting against? What's going on? Like you get some hints, but it's so nebulous still. I don't know. Did you have any problem with that? I, this is like my whole experience here is so different from your first time reading probably because it's been hyped by, by you guys. And so like going into it, I'm like, I have this mindset of this is a good series. Like I understand yeah, this is a yeah. quality series to read. However, I, I'm kind of the opposite. After reading the first one, I was really like, really? The Blade itself, I was kind of in disbelief of why does everyone say this is such an amazing series? Well, I guess it was more just that book in general. I was, I really liked the characters. I liked the writing, but nothing really happens in The Blade itself. Okay. And so that was, that was my main takeaway from that. Like if it hadn't been hyped, if it was just a book I came across, I'd be like, cool world building. I'm interested in that. really like the characters nothing really happened. And so if the second book wasn't readily available to me, I don't know when I would have gotten to it, except for the fact that I had you guys to like really talk it up. So that being said with, um, before they're hanged, my experience was kind of the opposite. I, I liked it a ton because so much does happen in the plot. And yes, like you said, there's, there's some subversions of, of tropes and things like that, which make it seem like some things were pointless. Like the fact that at the very end of the book, they go to get the seed and there is no seed. But to me, like that still, it still felt like they're doing something. Like I now have a clear goal, understanding of what their goal is. Like, okay, this is Baez's plan. I understand a little more of the political situation of the old, is it the old empire or Gerkis? I don't know. Well, okay. So the old <laughs> empires is out West, right? That's the place where they're right. journeying through. But Gurkle, where Glockta is, is down south. Glockta is in neither. Glockta is in Dagoska, which is... Well, right which is being south. attacked by... Yeah. So it's like right across the sea. There's actually not... So this is a this is a reasonable question because there, there isn't a map that was, that was released along with the books. There are maps now, but they're not like the most professionally done maps like they're yeah, not they're the more maps like you would see in, yeah yeah so you've probably seen them but um it, it's not yeah. super detailed yeah but i guess what i'm saying is i can i can sense like there's some political intrigue there with gurkle not gurkis sorry with the the empire i don't know like something's going on there you know and I, like you get a hint of that with glockta storyline also with glockta's you get a hint of the just intrigue in the empire in general so I mean, in the union in general. And then, I don't know, I feel like there's so much more going on in this book that I'm like really excited for where things are going to go in the future. 
Whereas in the first book, I was like, these are good hints, but I don't really, like nothing really like happened to let me know what's, what's the point of the series. Whereas this book, I feel like that's a little more clearly defined. And so I, I really liked it. I remember hearing you guys really love the blade itself. And then we're kind of more lukewarm on before they're hanged. Really? Okay. I don't remember that. Well, okay. Okay. I take it back. I don't know if you were specifically about the blade itself, but you were in general about this trilogy, but I do remember people saying before they're hanged was not that good. And so for me, it was weird to think like, Oh, I like this, like way more than the entry level. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I don't remember if I ever solidified opinions. I just remember it, it took me until the last argument of Kings where it's like, this series is awesome and I'm going to read everything Abercrombie writes. So books has me really excited. Yeah. And that has me really excited to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You should be. It, It continues to get better. So, okay. So it sounds like through two books, the seed has been planted for you at least, although not for the characters, but for you, the seed was planted (laughs) where you are now, you feel like the conflict has been defined enough where, you know, you like, okay, Gurkle's down South. They've got some things going on there. Not sure exactly what, but they're now coming against the union and Bethod and his guys up north plans. we haven't even talked about. Yeah. yeah, Baez has got something going on. So a lot of mysteries that you're hoping will be solved in book three then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, at this point, I don't really know how Bethod plays into it. I don't know if he's just like a chaos factor or like he has that sorceress or some magic user uh-huh. on his side. Um, and so... I wonder if it's all like if it's all connected to Gurkle, like the the assassinations and um, Bethod's uprising and everything, and and I guess by extension it would be, man, I don't remember so many of the names of the other Magi, but the the main Magi who's alive now, who's an eater, he's from Gurkle, right? Oh yeah, yeah, Kalul. Oh yeah, so, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if maybe he like. Maybe he's the main force behind everything to get back at Baez. I don't know. I, I can see a lot of connections going on there, but I'm not sure. Okay. So, okay. So let's, let's follow that. So one thing about this book, we get a lot of lore backstory. There's several different chapters where it's like, okay, Baez is going to sit down or there's one where Quiet tells the story. There may be some other ways. I can't remember exactly how the, the lore gets into it, but we get slowly kind of things like doled out to us. Did you, so another thing that I struggled with, it actually still struggled with, I understand the, like the general ideas. And, you know, if you read closely and look through the details, like you could sketch out exactly what happened with all of these Magi back in the day. But I don't like talking to you now. I can't remember off the top of my head in the same way that I could for like the lore backstory of the Cosmere, for example. I just feel like that's yeah more clear. It's like, uh, maybe it's just pounded into you more throughout the course of the books and this, you only get the story one time. So I, I just wish there was like more definition around that. Or we met some of the, more of the characters. Or it's, it's a little nebulous still. My, yeah. My biggest confusion is who, who is actually still alive out of all these mm. characters of Le- of legend, because no one thought Baez was still alive where, so yeah. if, if people were disbelieving and Baez returning that means probably his companions from his same time are not super out in the open if they are still around. But the fact that Baez is still around makes me think that most of them are. There's still, I think there's still a few Juvens, major around. Yeah, and, and we meet some. Yeah, like Zacharis. 
Sakura shows up. Yeah. Obviously, Kalul is like Kalul. you said, the, yeah, the one we're fighting against. Who is Kalul's master? Juven's brother, I think. I, I don't. Uh, know. Goose, like, I don't remember. Goostrad? The the demon Goostrad? brother. Yes, there were like the four yeah. sons of Aeus, right? And each one was given a gift. Yeah. And and Goostrad, if that's his name, something like that. Uh, you know, he he <laughs> didn't get a gift, so he got mad. So he decided to speak with demons instead and break the second law, etc. I mean, let's not try to recount the details because we're gonna get them wrong. Yeah, but um, I did I did like the lore of like uh, Baez was training under Yuvens, I guess, and then he got. I could be getting this all wrong, but he got upset and then he went to train with the maker who I don't I don't remember his actual name mm-hmm. and he fell in love with the maker's daughter I thought this was kind of a cool little romance that turns into a battle and I don't know I liked seeing all that background and, and feeling more of that and so that's got yeah. me excited for who of those players are still um, around yeah and then also the and uh, that 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 stuff is important like it's not just going to fade into the background it is going to be important for a future yeah especially the next book. And I liked how um, we get to talk to people who know Baez more personally. There was the, was the woman of Magi as well, as well as Zacharis or whatever. I can't remember the one at the West library. You mean? Um, I don't remember when I remember one guy was like, right at the end, man, you're just, you're still going about like trying to fight Kalul, blah, blah, blah. And then there's, I think there's a woman who said, who, who mentioned specifically about his, basically his lover he had when he was studying under the maker, but then she died. And that, that one was right at the end, I think. That was Ptolemy, the maker's daughter. That woman was Kaniel. I do have that in my notes. Yeah. I don't remember if she's actually a Magi or if she's just like yeah. adjacent she's, to but the she's, Magi. She, but she's um, a character that knows Baez at a more personal level, whereas everyone else that we've right. met so far has known him as master or as this character of legend only. So it was really cool to see more of that, to kind of see the cracks in Baez's, it's not really, I don't know if it's a facade he puts off, but it's a facade that is kind of put around him as oh yeah, um, a, a reader of fantasy going in like, oh, here's the wise wizard. And then you, I mean, at the end of the blade itself, for sure, you're like, wait, <laughs> He just turned everyone into pink mist. And now um, you get to meet characters who are more like chipping away at that. Yeah. Persona that we've, what's the word I'm looking for? Just inherently put upon him, I guess. Yeah. And things like, you know, you don't really expect to see the wise wizard start cussing everyone out and becoming super upset Mm -hmm. when his plans are ruined at the end of the book. Baez, Baez is, yeah, he is a mystery at this point. So I guess what are your general impressions of him like what is he trying to do how does he align with other things that are going on like what level of player is he right um from what i'm getting so far and i think this is probably true of most of the characters they all kind of see themselves as what they're doing is the right thing to do um so i think he really sees his quest as necessary for the probably for the betterment of everyone but I, I definitely get the feeling that he's more short-sighted than he leads on to be in terms of like collateral damage or fallout of what his actions may cause. And it seems like he's, he's more motivated by 
maybe a vendetta. Maybe he has a vendetta against Kalul. Not really oh, sure he, exactly. He certainly does. Yes. He does. Okay. <laughs> yes. But um, like there's, there's a contention there for sure, but I'm not really sure what the details of that are. Basically a couple details there, and I might be getting these wrong, but the, the gist of it is when everything went down with the maker and he had to run off and try to get protection, however, however that went down, I think that's what happened. He wanted Kalul to help him, Kalul to help him. Kalul was like, I'm not sure if you're telling the truth here. And so he did not join up with Baez. And since there's been a big split and I don't know exactly, yeah. I mean, I might've got a little bit of that wrong, but then Kalul went down, he got buddy, buddy with the Gurkish and, and the eaters, etc. So I, I, maybe I shouldn't even try to give you more details because obviously I don't know yeah. exactly. Yeah, kind of going back to like the whole thing, you know, you, we just don't know enough about the backstory and uh, you know, it's still a little nebulous. Like that's not the point of, the story it's not supposed to be this big right. more expansive backstory it's just kind of like enough to get you jump started yeah but yeah like you're saying i like Baez. i think is instead of the wise wizard he's actually more of the like he's a man with a plan and he's taking like he's willing to take anyone out who's in his way and to get his plan done and i think he's enlisted some people who are also I don't know, kind of have that same mindset um, where like Logan is definitely down to do things that are dirty. Like he's less, he's less morally um, conflicted about getting things done as long as the end result is something that should be good in his mind. And okay. Pharaoh, Pharaoh just wants vengeance. So, I mean, I don't know. He's picked up these like dangerous tools with them. I'm really interested to see what he wants to do with Giselle more than anything. Okay, yeah, let's talk through some other characters there. Okay, so Logan. So if you've followed Phantology on Twitter at all, you know that I'm not a huge Logan fan. Yeah, for yeah reasons I don't we can't, get it. Yeah, for reasons we can't go into. I mean, But I did say on my reread of the series, I was going to be open-minded and see if I could revise my opinion of Logan at all. And honestly, like through this book, through before they're hanged, there's a lot of reasons to like Logan. Just like in general, you know, the, his attempts to yeah. be a leader and and plant camaraderie within the team. You know, he seems like, you know, he's got this troubled past, but he's like, you know, I, I want to try to help these people out. So, and Jake, you're going to say you like him. Yeah, I do. And I really liked his kind of mentorship with Giselle. And I like how where that goes. I liked his relationship with Pharaoh as well. I, I don't right now, like I get he's not a like quote unquote good person in this, like he's done terrible things, but he seems to be the type of person who's admitted he's done terrible things and he's trying to do good now. And I find that an interesting character. And I feel like there are other characters in fantasy with similar backstories in Stormlight and Wheel of Time and mm -hmm. definitely A Song of Ice and Fire that everyone loves. And so I'm not getting why people are hating Logan yet. A lot of people really love him. And I can't, I mean, I can't give you details, obviously, but uh, yeah, there's right. reasons, there's reasons. So I think you'll see Do more. you think knowing where I'm at now with Logan and like the reasons why like I like him and 
the reasons you don't like him. <laughs> and uh -huh. like knowing me, basically, like, what's your prediction? Am I going to end up at the end of this trilogy? Am I going to end up still really liking him? Or am I going to hate him like you? <laughs> I believe you will... I believe you will find reasons to continue liking him because that's more your personality. Okay. Huh, interesting. So I'll be trying to convince myself that he's still a good person. Yeah. You're much more, you, you're, you are, you, you have too much hope to be part of the Joe Abercrombie first law universe. I, I can be too <laughs> harsh with people. Maybe, maybe I, mean, I would, I, I don't would fit in as a character too easily into an Abercrombie book. I, I obviously don't have all the information, but um, I just, like I said, I just feel like there are lots of characters who have done terrible things while trying to do good things. And they're still like liked characters. So I'm really interested to see what, what is revealed or what happens to possibly change my mind on this. Okay. So Logan moments in this book, mm -hmm. he takes over leadership once Baez goes down after you know trying to help out everyone Giselle kind of starts to take a liking to him a little bit I thought there was one funny moment like the chat the rain chapter where Giselle was moaning around because it was raining and he sees Logan and he's like you know the great savage took off his coat and he's just like loving it and rolling around in the mud like a hog and then time passes and Giselle's like wait my clothes are really wet and it's cold and look over at Logan yeah. and he's like, fine, because he took off his, you know, so things like that. I mean, th maybe that's kind of a Giselle character thing as well. Um, yeah. But it's those small moments, like, those small character building moments that Abercrombie does so well. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like turning point in Giselle's character in this book to where he starts to realize, oh, maybe this guy has something to offer after all. And I should be taking a listen to him. I love Giselle's character growth in this book so much. I thought it was very realistically done and I don't know. I just really liked how like he kind of has this reassessment of what's important in his life mm -hmm. and recognizing all these stupid things he's done and making these resolutions to change. And it wasn't like this, Oh no, my life's in danger. So I need to make like, if I survive, this is going to make these changes in a like disingenuous way. It seemed pretty heartfelt. Okay. So that's the question I had for you. Did you think there was enough character growth throughout the book? It sounds like you're thinking, yes, there, there was quite a bit. I will say with Giselle, so the biggest turning point, yeah. there were a series of turning points, but then the biggest one was obviously when he got his, his naming wound, right? And then has to go through this period of convalescence and recovers a bit. And then is like, hey, you know, Logan's actually pretty smart. I like him. And I'm going to, you know, go off and marry Adi and I'm going to, changed my life and I was terrible. And then at the, by the end, he's kind of like, do, do you believe that he's changed? Because he's starting to moan again. He's like, wait, we came out all this way for nothing. And I got my face split open and I'm, you know, he doesn't like, is this going to stick is I guess what I'm wondering. Yeah. Yeah. I had that same question. And I think I'm generally not a fan of characters going through growth and then somehow regressing in character just because it serves the plot more than like, than it serves a character. Mm, okay. But I think this, this, like for an example, although I just rewatched it, I don't think it's as bad anymore, but the difference, like in Iron Man one, he has this huge character growth. And then in Iron Man two, he's kind of back to the original Tony he's Stark. Just back, yeah. He's the annoying playboy again. 
which is annoying to me because I'm like, well, what was the point of the whole first movie? You know, and I get, I mean, now that watching it over and over, I'm like, okay, well, he thinks he's dying, et cetera, blah, blah. But that kind of thing without justification annoys me. But I think it with Giselle, it was really cool to end it where he doesn't start to moan a ton again. You only get to hear him really like complain one more time, but it does leave it with this because like their whole journey was basically for nothing. It leaves it with this wait was since the whole purpose of their journey turned out to be like for nothing is all the character growth for nothing as well, which is kind of like this meta subversion thing going on that like, I really like as much as I don't want his character to regress. I think it might like it would work in this context if it does. And isn't, wouldn't that be like, if it does, wouldn't that be pretty human? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and that's the thing people, people grow, but the, the way people grow and change is like bit by bit. And it's never like this wholesale change right away. It's like, okay, I've made this change, but I still have these like residue of my old personality I'm trying to eliminate. So, yeah. and especially something like that, that was a big thing to, it was a big upset. Like it was valid of like for him to complain about it. I'm hoping he doesn't just go exactly back to how he was before. If he does start to regress towards more of his self-centeredness, I'm hoping he becomes even more jaded, you know, like, you know, cause it can't just be like a switch and then all the way back. Like it has to be different a little bit, but I'm really hoping he does actually turn out to like be what he appeared to be this like Prince Charming character. So they're headed back. His plans are, going to marry Adi and kind of go off into the sunset and not worry about, you know, in the first week, he was so worried about their class difference. How's it going to work? Oh, maybe she could be my mistress or something. Like I love her, but you know, now he's just like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to be with her. So what do you, what do you see for that? What do you think? Yeah. That's the other thing. A lot of his character growth was due to him kind of recognizing what is important and isn't. And so just because the journey he wasn't really invested in the journey anyways, you know, like Fies is like, oh, he cared zero like, for it. Well, yeah. And even when he like had his character growth moment, it's not like he realized this seed is so important. That's why we're here. So they're not being a seed. I think shouldn't really affect his, like the, the changes he and growth he's had. So I'm hoping he does like at the end of this, he's still like in the beginning, I guess, of uh, the book, book three, I'm hoping he still does have that plan to just, turn home, get to Artie and live the, I guess he would be like the, the homesteader or something. That was his plan, right? Just him and Artie. Yeah, that's the plan. I'm hoping that's what, that's what he wants. That's right now. That's what I see his character wanting in, in book three, at least in the beginning. Good luck to him. You're making, yeah, you're making me really doubt that. Okay. I already, I don't think he will achieve that goal, but you're making me doubt that he still wants that goal. I'm hoping he does. I don't want to try, okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to try to plant seeds in your, I guess I'm <laughs> no, just trying to like throw the general, yeah. like jaded attitude at, I mean, that's no secret, right? Like it's a grim yeah. dark series. And really the way that I define it is there's just like not a lot of hope in the books. There's not a lot of hope for good things to happen in general. So I'm trying to throw that out there. That doesn't mean that nothing good is going to happen because it's not like all in all, it's not that dark of a series. But yeah, it doesn't generally feel, things don't happen in the way that you think they will, at least. Yeah, it it doesn't feel as dark as like Game of Thrones, where you're totally like all your favorite characters die all the time, <laughs> anything like that. Um, but I do see 
what seems to be like the plan, like not coming to fruition. So like in that regard, speaking of Giselle, I'm thinking he's going to come home and want that to happen. But, and this is kind of jumping to Glockta, but I'm thinking Artie and Glockta are going to, I, I don't know, because maybe this is too hopeful, but it'd be cool if they had some sort of romance. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think they're definitely going to start some sort of think tank slash mm. uh, like so coalition. You're, just kinda, you're building off of their uh, interactions there at yeah. the end of the book. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of talked about this in book one just because they have a, a brief interaction and they, men- they mention mm. how like similar they are in their, I guess, in their cunning. And we see more of that in this book. And I think it would be really cool to see where, where that would go. Like them somehow getting into the politics or the investigation of different plots and stuff. And I could see that as being a really good um, kind of foil and, or like just conflict for Jazal coming home and seeing the woman he loved now being with Glockta, someone who he detests and sees as just like, yeah, inhuman almost. Mm. Okay, but that, this is all this is all banking on him still wanting that and him making it home at any point. Which, who knows? Like, I don't know if that's even happening. <laughs> so Glockta, let's let's go on to Glockta. Uh, speaking of a dark character, is very interesting. So starting in Degaska, I thought him taking over and quickly showing that he is the most capable person in the entire city was nice you know he's able to, to hold out for much longer with the critical help of the random million mark deus ex machina yeah. that just shows up from valentin bulk without that you know it definitely would, would not have gone this well so what'd you think of that and i mean maybe also like what'd you think of these this uh whole degasca crew and his efforts there um, I thought it was really fun. I loved the like the chapter intros that had letters from oh, from letters and to the superior to, to salt. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really fun. And again, the the narrator is just so amazing when he does his salt voice. It's uh-huh. <laughs> superior clock up. No, 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 no. That's so good. Stephen Pacey, the goat. Yeah, and I I also liked how you like it set up like okay this city is probably going to come under siege and he's trying to find this plot. And so it seems like this whole book is going to be him preparing the city for a siege, the siege happening and like this Helm's deep style battle and, and him like figuring out, like, I don't know, like all this focus on uncovering this plot and defending the city and that stuff happens, but it's just not really like the focus point. I guess the plot is uncovering the plot is, but like all the battle preparations and stuff, mm-hmm. the biggest plot point was how are we going to get the money for this? And then the next chapter he's in, the battle is started. And then the next chapter he's in, like they're halfway through the siege and then it's yeah. okay. Just leave the city. We're done with you there. And I thought that was a really fun way to experience it. It goes very quickly for, you know, the fun yeah. that Abercrombie does with action. He doesn't really show it here. It's more just like glocked up on the walls, like, oh, crap, we got to get out of here type of action. I mean, you yeah. hear from Costco a little bit uh, about, you know, his crew. Okay, you know, here we go off to fight. There's the, the Gurkish are, there's a lot more of them and they are better armed and it's not going to go well. So there, there was that. You mentioned Helm's Deep and I wanted to bring this up because I feel like 
each of the three plot lines kind of has some Lord of the Rings tropes, but then taken in entirely different ways. Like for Degaska, yeah. unlike Helm's Deep, there was no savior riding in at the end. The whole city was just, I mean, they were basically taken. killed and overrun and that did not go well. The quest off to yeah. find the seed slash the ring was nothing. The entire thing was pointless. And I don't know if there was as direct of a comparison with West from my brief thing. There might be a better one than this, but like a little bit of Aragorn maybe after he, yeah. you know, goes off and he's presumed to be dead off, uh, you know, when the war riders come. Actually, I actually can't even remember if this is in the book or not. It might not be, but at least in the movie, you know, when he comes back to Helm's Deep at the very yeah. end, I don't know. There's probably a better one, but Abercrombie is obviously, I mean, like every fantasy writer is a big Tolkien fan. So I thought he does a lot of really good things setting up similar types of tropes, but then changing. Yeah, I guess like with Wes, it's kind of like the, I mean, the, what do they call the flatheads? The Shenka. Shenka. They're kind of like orcs, right? So. Oh yeah, definitely. I can, I can see some fellowship, end of fellowship of the ring vibes there. Okay. There are orcs down to when Logan and Pharaoh like find them, you know, breeding down in the dark pits of <laughs> Alcus. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I really liked the um that whole plot and the uh Degaska with Glockta. And then I liked when he came back and we're expecting this like I was expecting he's gonna get a huge promotion. They're gonna love him because he's scared that they're gonna kill him. And instead it wasn't either. It was just basically like you got this promotion, but your co-manager and <laughs> I don't know, like, and the, like it was, he got a promotion as a co-manager and there was no real recognition given to what he did. And the city was just like, oh, we were, we were like fine getting rid of that city anyways. Like we don't care. Yeah. So Salt cares zero about anything other than the Inquisition's political status. Yeah. And I really like the conflicting the conflicting conflicts that Glockta had in this book. Um, for example, with the the merchants guild leader. Carlet Dan Idai. Yeah. And how the pretty one. Yeah. He, like she set up the whole plot, right? To to give away the city. Her and uh Verms, the the son of the, the son of the governor guy. Yeah. Governor. But he lets her go because he realizes she's like her intentions were so good and she's hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So, so why does, is that all? Because I think there's some other reasons why he lets her go to, I think, I think her being a woman for sure is part of it. And you see the same thing with Vitari where he kind of glance, he grants some mercy to her agreeing yeah. to take her with them. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that. I didn't really see that as, Due to her gender as much as him realizing oh she isn't going to just stab me in the back because he would never really trusted her before but that was kind of a moment where she mm. opened herself up but maybe yeah maybe it's hard to tell what his real weakness is there also with carla i think uh, and maybe you were going to bring this up but so when he first when he first meets with her she doesn't like treat him any differently or like yeah. make any comment at all on his disabilities. And he's just like, okay, you know, I'm kind of dealing with someone on the same level playing field here. And she recognizes, you know, my shrewd mind and the things that I, that I rely on. 
And I think he really respected her a lot and was like, you know, you lost this round because really, because I had the resources from Valentin Bulk and like, I didn't even deserve yeah, those. So you, you should have won. Therefore, you know, you're a worthy adversary. Let's play another round maybe, or let's at least, at least, you know, you're, you're yeah, I'm, I'm not just going to kill you because you're not just some worm that I would torture as usual. Yeah, I didn't really recognize the the comparison there um, between those two characters where she's in her position because people were able to recognize her worth outside of her physical presence, you know, in a more sexist world. They recognized that even though mm-hmm. only men really have leadership roles in that society, that like she's worthy to do this. And similarly, she recognizes that in him. Like despite his disabilities, she's mm-hmm. able to see that those aren't what make him really good at what he does. And she asks him like very directly. She's like, I find it very curious that you were tortured so horribly, yet now you are the torturer. Yeah. And he doesn't know the answer to this question, basically. Like Glockta cannot sit with himself long enough to answer this question because it's such a painful thing for him to think about because he like, I don't, he doesn't like torturing necessarily, but he's got like no other options. And if he were to sit and consider this, he would just have to like stew on how terrible his life is. So, but at the same time, the fact that she is just, you know, Hey, I don't care about what's going on with you here, but I'm interested in this question. Like I'm interested in you. And I think you're an interesting person other than the fact that you're so crippled. I don't know if I'm really getting to my point here, but she sees him as a, a worthy adversary and she's interested in things that he doesn't like normally people would not ask him these questions because they would be so concerned about what he might do or, or injuring his feelings or something, but she's just very direct with him. Yeah. And now I'm wondering, maybe it isn't a gender thing with her either. Like maybe it just so happens that the only characters who have really taken the time to to treat him as an equal and look at him for what he's worth have, have been females. Like I'm thinking her and Artie partic- in particular. And I guess West, like he, he really loves West because in, in the blade itself, that moment where he realizes that he did come back or he learns that yeah. he did come back to see him, but his mother turned him away. His, the other yeah. people in his life, like his practicals, they don't care about him as a person. They're yeah. just like, you know, they're, they're yeah. our buddies and Frost and Severard are, you know, they do enjoy torturing people. Salt yeah. doesn't care for him. He's just a tool in his mind. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. Salt, I don't even think is aware of other people as people. <laughs> no. Like it seems like he, he only sees, he sees everyone as oh no yeah a tool or yeah. Information. I liked how in the later half of the book, we have again another like major conflict for Glockta in torturing the he wasn't like an ambassador, but he was Which, from Gurkle. Well, there were two there were two different ambassador types that show up. The one that he kills in Dagaska or the one that gets killed back in Adua later on. In Adua, the one who is blamed for the assassination of the crown prince. Yeah. Wait, is it? How, dang, now, the name of the city is Adua, right? We got that confused last time. I kept calling it Ardua because of Artie, probably. <laughs> so I think it's Adua. 
I liked how Lakta realizes there's so much more to this plot than just, oh, this is, it must be the guy from Gurkle who did it because Mm -hmm. that guy could have done it. I can't remember if he could have done it earlier or easier than the method that was used, but just also how it just is lining up too perfect for this to be Gurkle to be blamed for this. Someone wants war here. And it's so interesting how Uh Salt doesn't seem to be dumb but he's not pick, he's either not picking up on it or he really sincerely doesn't care because politically they'll look good if they just oh politically it's out. great we're going to blame this guy for the murder it's great for them that Reynolds murdered because now you know a new a new king is going to yeah. be chosen essentially cuz the old guy you know he's on his way out he didn't look very good in the blade itself he's probably not much longer for yeah. this world so who's it going to be and, yeah so anyways it was i just loved how in this case, he obviously was doing what was wrong morally and just incorrect, but he, he goes through with it and he, and he tortures the guy and then has him killed. I thought that was an interesting ju- juxtaposition there. Compared to letting Carly go. Yeah, compared to letting Carly go. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then he, at the end, he gets called off from the investigation. He still wants to investigate Reynolds' murder because he knows it's something to do with eaters, and this is interesting to him. But at the end, he gets called off yeah. by Malthus, the Valentin Balk guy who gave him the million right. marks, and he basically owns Glockta at this point. So what is going on with Valentin Balk? They've been, I mean, in book one, they were hinted at being probably behind most of, like, I feel like they're going to be the main antagonists, at least for Glockta's plot. I'm hoping they tie into everything. Mm-hmm. And then they have two really important parts in this book. My plan, my, <laughs> I guess, prediction slash hope would be that him, Glockta, and uh, Artie get their minds together to investigate the bank and what's really going on. I don't know. Some, something there. I'm hoping they do a team up. Okay. covert investigations okay Okay. yes definitely important and i think you're gonna like how the ending of uh last argument of kings shakes out it's uh i thought it was quite satisfying um okay so last plot line and we're already running long so we'll have to maybe cut this discussion shorter but uh, we have dogman and west out in the north we already kind of laughed at ladislaw the most incompetent prince and definitely should not have been leading an army. Just ask Rudd three trees. So uh, I don't know, like in general, your impressions of the conflict sounds like you're kind of just questioning how it ties into everything else mostly. Yeah. And not questioning and like, a, why are we here? But in a, I'm intrigued and I want to figure out how it connects. I love the Ladislaw conflict. I loved West's involvement there and how he was able to advance but still be kind of like he was promoted but still kind of cornered and his abilities to really do anything there and i don't know i feel like i related with west a lot more in this book which you have also offed a crown prince i haven't but (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like him just getting so frustrated in that situation like it was I mean, as a reader, like I said, it's frustrating and also very humorous and how it's frustrating and how he just is like, okay, I'm sick of this and pushes him off the cliff. And I think they make a, a like, they make a note to emphasize 
that he wasn't just in one of his like furies when that happened. He was super calm and just this needs to happen and just pushed him off the cliff. And, and I mean, it, it wasn't, was it wasn't only person. because it wasn't only because he was just frustrated with him. It's because he was trying to rape. Catherine. Oh no, no. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not, but I would, I was just thought that that was, I thought in that moment he was going to go into the, his, his true name furious and, and go crazy on him. But I liked how it was just calm because I don't know if it's meant to just showcase that that was just the correct thing to do. That was just what needed to happen. It wasn't a moment of passion or rage. It was just, this guy's terrible and needs to be removed. But um, I guess moving on with West, I really, I liked all the the Northmen in this one a lot more than the first one. They were just kind of a cameo, okay. I guess, in the blade itself. Whereas here we get more character development. Dogman becomes the clan leader at the end. Very Is sad about favorite? Dogman's. He's your favorite Northman, I'm assuming. Um, also, I, guess I mean, so. I don't really three know. trees, three trees also. Three trees is cool. Guy. Yeah, I like three trees. No, I rest, rest in peace. I mean that. Yeah, rest the, in peace. The, the Fenris. We finally. That was one thing you were calling for in Blade itself was uh, you wanted Fenris, the feared. Yes. To be a oh bit yes. Out in the open more so that you finally yes, get some of that. That was so cool. Yeah, I loved him. Man, I want to see more. <laughs> I think, but my only issue with the the Northman right now is. The only one that really has a defined personality to me is um, Black Dow. Black Dow. Black Dow. Black Dow. Black Dow. Yes. Important. And character. his main defining, his main defining attribute is just that he's angry and he doesn't like anyone. Pretty much. He's black. Basically, he's very dark, like just in mood and demeanor and everything. Yeah, but yeah, I thought they were fine. I liked, I liked their plot. I feel like was very tightly written the whole fighting in the north and the politicking getting separated and then that battle at the end that's just pure confusion really sad about the the girl that west freed cathel and then west freed he he was liking her but then she liked dogman more and there was kind of this awkwardness and then she dies yeah yeah i was not expecting that and then also her her father, Pike. the guy that Giselle Pike, he's a really interesting character too. I'm cool to he see. He I mean, is a very interesting character. I want to yes. know what he did to get sent there to begin with. And I want to know how mm, the Inquisition. This is a very good question. It's a very good question. I want to know what, what the Inquisition, they can't just be letting him go. Like there's going to be, is he, is there any chance that somehow he caused Glockta's fate? Was he with Glock? Were they in the same company? Because West was in Glockta's company. He says company. that he served, he served with Colonel Glockta in Gurkle. Yes. So stew on that. Although, but that is a very astute and interesting question. And I feel like my reaction is making you like think about all these things. And I don't, I don't want to, well, you know, get yeah. into too many spo- spoilers or anything. But yeah, Pike my, is a Pike is a very important character. Yes. My my only question is like if if it were obvious that he caused Glockta's end then wouldn't he have just been killed? But I guess not. I guess if he had information, they'd want to get all the information out. But according to Salt's, Salt or Salt? I don't know. Salt. His, um, Salt. His uh, main um, MO seems to be torture them hard and fast and then kill them. People don't seem to stay 
prisoners very long under his rule. So oh no, yeah, I wouldn't imagine that they would keep Pike that long if he had done something that bad or had that much information, at least according to what they knew. Anyways, he's a really cool character. I really like Weston this one. I liked seeing him unleash his rage more in this book uh, because I guess the only there's no like abusing his sister in it. Still don't know how he's going to redeem himself for that one. Neither does he. <laughs> yeah. Neither does he. Um, yeah. I guess to, to keep things going, I'll try to give my last takes on Kwai. Kwai for sure is an eater. I had this theory. Okay, the yeah. I think you, you talked about this in the first episode. So, so you're building on this? I was like, at the end of the first book, he seemed kind of quiet. He didn't see him himself. This book, he's a completely different person. Completely different person than who he was in book one of being this like kind of absent-minded, awkward guy. Now he's like goading Baez with these stories and like- And how about the moment where after Baez gets uh, struck down, right? From from using too much of the art and he is incapacitated and Kwai's standing over him and he's like, I could kill him so easily right now. And I think he's talking to Logan and Logan's like, okay, like, <laughs> Why, how is that going to help? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm also, I was expecting because so obviously that he is an eater in my mind. I thought he would be the big bad guy for Baez to confront at the end, but no confrontation. He's still unnoticed. I, I'm very confused at that. I thought that would be a big conflict in this book, but oh, also the seed not being there at the end. We've talked about this mm-hmm. great subversion. I was like, oh, Kwai must know. Like, I thought he would know the new Kwai, but he seemed pretty bamboozled by it as well. He was pretty, he was pretty mad. Him and Baez both pretty mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For different, but the same reason. <laughs> I did think Longfoot was funny. I loved him. And I loved how it was so easy to tell how much everyone just hated him, but they just put up with him because <laughs> he was necessary but was he necessary like really was he necessary i mean Baez already kind of knew where everything was that's true that's true like what did he really serve but then also i mean i guess Baez when Baez was down he he helped some yeah yeah he's just comic relief i mean there's already the whole story is comic relief if you really get into it but yeah longfoot was yeah. great my, my favorite longfoot my favorite longfoot moment was at the very end where he tries to tell Baez like oh, it's the journey that's important here. Like, you know, he's totally going <laughs> yeah. full Sanderson and Baez is like, yeah. shut up. I'm going to kill you if you say another thing. This is awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. He he brought out some really good moments. Um, Pharaoh, I still really like Pharaoh. It was really cool to get more in her head and get a, I don't know, I felt like I felt for her a lot more in this book. I got a feel for who who she was emotionally and, Although her motives right now are just vengeance, basically, I think she's she was more fleshed out. I liked her and Logan's relationship and how it like built up and then how it kind of fell apart due to miscommunication. And then at the end, it was such a perfect scene where he was like, she was like hoping he would say, you should come with me or vice versa. And then neither one of them said anything. So then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, they don't want me to be here. I thought that was really well done. Just like the lack of communication in this was done in a really cool way. We get to be inside Pharaoh's head for a moment where she's like, I literally don't know how to say sorry in this language. I think adding the ability to be inside our characters' heads directly 
is so crucial for what Abercrombie's yeah. doing here because it allows you yeah. to understand them in such a way. So then when the other, when you're in the other character's head and you see things that they're the, you know, when you see other characters through a different character's eyes and you see what they're doing and that character is confused at why they're doing it. You're like, well, as a reader, you understand because you know everyone super well, but then the miscommunication makes sense because you know why they're yeah. doing what they would or wouldn't do. Yeah. Okay. Before you, uh, before you go off on everything, I, maybe you have a couple more points, but uh, let's do our worst of the best. Okay. So we're now ready for our final worst of the best segment. Hopefully you didn't waste all of your ammunition from previous parts of the book already. So uh, that segment goes now. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. Okay. Do you want to go first? Do you have one? No, you go first. I'm so <laughs> Okay. Um, so mine is going to be the very end when they get the seed or the not seed. And it's the best because I'm now on board with the subversion thing. I think that that is awesome. Now, uh, unlike my first read, I understand and appreciate what, what Abercrombie's doing here at the end of the journey. It's the worst because once again, we are random, we are randomly bringing in this plot thing of talking to spirits and it's not really needed anywhere else, but now all of a sudden Logan can do it. And it just doesn't seem nearly as necessary as a lot of the other things throughout the book. Like I know in, in one of the sons of Aeus, I think it talks about has the ability to talk with spirits, but unlike, you know, the eaters and the, the demons thing, like that is so huge. The talking with spirits thing is like accomplished two small plot things. I feel like it's just kind of like shoved into the puzzle a little bit and not nearly as tidy as most of the rest of the plot. So that's my thing. Not really into the spirits thing. Yeah, I like spirits, but I'd like to have seen that expanded more and like the purpose of it because it seems to be a pretty rare gift, but it doesn't seem to be that important if Logan's name in the North is Nine Finger or the Bloody Nine instead of Spirit Talker. You know, yeah. like that seems to be a bigger thing than, oh, he fights really hard and goes crazy. Well, I guess people are more impressed with, you know, cutting down people in huge blood baths. True, but it's like no one ever talks about the fact that he can talk to spirits other than Baez because Baez needs him for that reason. Right. Yeah, I, I'd say my worst of the best. Oh, man, this is so hard. Was probably just the, the lack of really good distinct characters with the Northmen because I really like their plot line. So for me, it was like one of the best things is seeing how they interacted with everything. But to me, they mm -hmm. their personality was more this group of Northmen as opposed to who really is Dogman. We've got a little bit of that. But like I said, it was mostly Black Dow that had any distinct personality. And so... And then you've got people like the the Thunderhead, Tolduru, and Harding Grimm, yeah. whose personalities he doesn't talk. Yeah, like, yeah. I wish two, there was... There's not a lot, yeah. Yeah. 
and like I said, worst of the best because I loved them and their plot so much, but I just wish there was more to that. Okay. That yeah. is our review of Before They Are Hanged. Jake, what is what are your plans for Last Argument of Kings? Um, I'll be starting it this next week. I'm need to finish uh, Dead House Gates and then on to Before They Are Hanged. Er, okay. Sorry. Blood of Kings, what's it called? What's the last one? <laughs> Argu- last, last Argument of last Kings. Last Argument of Kings. <laughs> Yes. I'm going to get roasted in the comments. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the first lock community, um, actually, we've, we've had a lot of good experience with. They all seem to be very happy to provide details, but not in a condescending way. Like, they understand fans are at different levels. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I've read it before. I tried to study up before this review. I'm sure I made some mistakes because there are a lot of details. So if you're a big fan, you know, let us know what we missed. Uh, we appreciate all that input. Um, overall, I'd say, yeah, nine out of 10 for this book for me. Okay. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 on my, uh, on my book tube. So you're, you in general are a little bit harsher or a little bit more of a, you know, a little stingy in your reviews. So nine out of 10, that is pretty good. I really liked it. Yeah. Okay. Joe, if you're listening, we're big fans. We'd love to have you on the show sometime. <laughs> All right. If you like what we're doing at Phantology, you can find more at www.phantologybooks.com. Hop on Discord and let us know um, what series you're excited for, what you'd like us to read. We have our TBRs booked out a little bit, but uh, you know we're, we're happy to entertain other things. And uh, you know if you're an author and want to talk with us about your book, let us know as well. We're trying to do more of that type of thing, be more involved with the community. So thank you for listening. And I guess keep your axes sharp. Uh, avoid the north a lot of people die out there actually people die kind of throughout the, the circle of the world so i don't really know if there's anywhere safe i'd say you know make sure you forgive those who have wronged you but not before they're hanged okay on that note we're out see you later <laughs>